We'll have two readings today. The first one is from the book of Exodus, chapter 12, um, uh, verses 1 to 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be the first, is, is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole, com- uh, tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each, with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you you may take them from the sheep uh, or the goats. Take them, uh, take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat of the roasted, uh, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning, if some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat. You, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both male, uh, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment. Uh, on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is the day you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And now we'll read from... uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 14 to 29. When one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30, uh, counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to turn him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, When my appointed time is near, I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table uh, with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, 
Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, and the, uh, this, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until, the di- until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This is God's word. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, one and all. Uh, Useful to read Exodus 12 as a bit of backdrop, but we're in Matthew uh, 26, so do stay there. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our great God and Father, whether these are very familiar truths to us, or or whether not, and perhaps we wouldn't call ourselves Christian or intrigued and and looking on, would you help us understand your words rightly? Uh, And would you give us your spirit to respond in faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, imagine one day this week is a very strange day, and you get a summons. You get a summons from the Queen. Goodness, that's uh, exciting. And the Queen says, I'd like you to come and cook for me at Buckingham Palace. What would you cook? I read this week that on average, uh, every, uh, how it works out, um, every adult over the age of 18, there are in this country six cookery books for every adult. That's what we have on average. But people typically only ever cook nine meals. Nine meals is the average repertoire. Some of us can only dream of having nine meals that we could cook. <laughs> And I know I'm one of them. But uh, what would you cook? What would you cook for the queen? I mean, she's famously frugal in her tastes. It's cornflakes for breakfast every morning. Uh, What would you cook for her? That'd be slightly intimidating, wouldn't it? Very different if, also a slightly odd day in your life, uh, but the queen knocks on your door. No entourage. She's just arrived on her scooter um, uh, and says, I've brought a casserole. It's my favorite. Take it. And let's share it together. Now, that's enjoyable. A meal with the queen, just you and me. Yeah, my casserole, I love it. It'll be delicious. Now, it's a odd day, isn't it? But come to the palace and what will you bring? That'd be slightly, you'd worry about that, wouldn't you? Here it is, I brought it. Just enjoy it with me. That's odd, but it'd be quite enjoyable. There's a difference between bring, bring what you've got and, uh, hey, take this. I'd enjoy it. It's quite a difference. Now, perhaps more prosaically or, or, or more realistically, I should say, you apply for a new job. You've decided you want to go for a new job. 
And it's quite competitive, and you fill in your CV, you, you update that and titivate that a little bit and uh, inflate your titles you're now director of rather than whatever you are. Uh, and um, uh, you stand that off and hours on your covering letter and you have round one of interviews and it's a whole day thing and successive panels, you know, seven different panels in the day say, what will you bring to this role, Mrs. Chumpsford, or whatever it is? What will you bring to this company? Uh, what is it that you offer? And, you, and then you wait, and then it's round two a week later, and it's an exceptional. Pro- what will you bring? Now, that's very different from someone ringing you up and saying, take this job. You'll love it. It's a promotion. It's much better paid. It's much fewer hours. Much more satisfying. Take. Now, those two are very different, Obviously. Uh, why is it somewhat stressful, uh, a succession of interviews? What are you going to bring? What have you got? What do you offer? Are you good enough? And the other is just take. You're the right person. Take. Very different, uh, those two experiences. And in one sense, I think this section of Matthew's Gospel wants us to get there's a real difference between bring. What can you bring to Jesus? What can you bring, Judas? What can you bring, Peter? That's very different from take. Take from me. Bring, what have you got? What's on offer? What can you bring? That's a sort of anxiety-filled question. Take, you'll enjoy. Well, that's lovely. Very, very different. Now, we're spending most of our time really this morning on uh, uh, the central uh, section here, uh, really verses uh, 26 to 30. This meal, the Lord's Supper, when Jesus says, take, eat, drink. But you see how it's embedded in this little section. Beforehand, you get, well, it's sandwiched, isn't it, between Judas's betrayal on the one hand, and then immediately after it, Peter's bravado. Jesus says, oh, you're all going to fall away. I won't fall away. Everyone else may fall away, says Peter, but I'll be there. I'll, you know, verse 33 Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will, says Peter. Verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same, huzzah. Uh, And they all bog it, just a few verses later. So you've got Judas' betrayal, Peter's bravado, but in the middle, Jesus saying, don't don't put your confidence in, I don't know, your longevity of how long you've walked with me, or, or in your own abilities to be a terrific disciple. Focus on what I do. Don't, I'm not interested in what you bring. If you're going to be my disciple, you, begin, you take. Take, eat, drink. That's the issue here. Where does your confidence lie? Is it one of take or bring in simple terms? Now we're uh, then this uh, before between now and Easter, Matthew twenty six to twenty eight, uh, this final section of uh, Matthew's gospel, and um, Jesus' teaching is largely over. Ma- Matthew's gospel is the gospel of teaching. Five main sections. They all end with uh, that little th- thing we saw last time, chapter twenty six, verse one. When Jesus finished saying all these things, all the five teaching blocks end that way. His teaching's over, and now these three chapters, it's his death, it's his work. Death and resurrection uh, is the key uh, to this part. And as we pick it up today, verse 17, it's Passover time. The people are gathering in Jerusalem. The crowds would pour in once a year for this festival of Passover. And we know it's Passover because Matthew tells us 
three times. Verse 17, it's Passover. Verse 18, celebrate the Passover. Verse 19, prepared the Passover. Matthew saying, guess what time it is? It's Passover time. He really wants us to understand that. The annual celebration then of what we've read in Exodus chapter 12. When God rescued, redeemed his people out of Israel. And in Exodus 12, of course, the central event in that. Where death comes through the land of Egypt, taking the firstborn son of each household. Apart from those who are the Israelites. Because they kill a lamb in place. They eat the lamb, but the blood of the lamb, of course, is painted on the doorposts. And so death passes over those households where blood has been poured out and displayed on the doorposts. I remember years ago hearing someone say this for the first time, but you can imagine uh, little Joshua, however he, how old he may be, 10-year-old boy, the, the firstborn in a certain household, and it's that first Passover night, and they've had their meal of lamb, and uh, the, the dad says, go on then, Josh, time to get ready for bed. And he says, have you done the blood on the doorpost, Daddy? No, no, don't worry, I'll, I'll do that once I've tucked you in. Uh, he sort of tucks him, Daddy, you, 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 yeah, I'll do that now. Don't worry, I'm not going to forget. It's quite a big deal, isn't it? Joshua, I'm not going to forget the blood on the doorposts. And a little half hour after he's gone to bed and mum and dad are watching telly and Joshua comes down in his pyjamas and says, have you done it, Danny? Have you put the blood on the doorpost? Go and see. Oh, you've done it. It's fine, son. Joshua goes to bed and sleeps soundly. Because all he cares about is that the blood has been poured out. Because that will cover him. Death will pass over him. The lamb has died instead of that boy. When the blood has covered you, you don't need to worry about your safety. And Jesus here says it's Passover. And I'm the one who is going to be broken. And I'm the one whose blood will be poured out. And you trust in my blood and death judgment will pass over you. So they're having this Passover dinner together. Passover meal. Verse 21, here's a way to ruin a dinner party. Uh, While they're eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Oh, are we having such a good time? Surely not I, they all say, verse 22. Surely not I, Lord, one after another. Apart from Judas, who, verse 25, asks a slightly different question. Not Lord, but teacher. Surely not I, Rabbi? Yes, it's you. Of course, you know it's you, Judas. You've already made up your mind in verse 16 to betray me, to hand me over. But that's the context, and it's the Passover meal that Jesus is going to radically reinterpret. So let's just make three comments uh, on this meal, uh, uh, better than one of the nine that you and I can prepare, something very unique. Three special things about this meal then. The focus is Jesus' death. The host is Jesus, not us. It means the future is guaranteed. Okay? The focus is Jesus' death. The host, well that's Jesus, not us. And the future is guaranteed. So the verse 26. First, and the focus is Jesus' death. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, well, what they're expecting him to say is what they've heard all their life. 
to take the bread, break it and say, this is the bread of the affliction which our forefathers ate. Because that's what you did at Passover meal. Those were the words. These disciples would have heard them every year so that they could remember. This is the bread of the affliction which our forefathers ate. But Jesus says, this is my body. You can imagine this sort of sitting reflectively, familiar words. Here we go, this is, huh? No, that's not right. Yeah, when something familiar is disrupted, you notice it. You imagine um, at a football, a cup final day, an FA Cup final, something like that at Wembley, and the crowds are all there. And um, before the match, it's time for the national anthem. So on come the uh, the Royal Marines uh, uh, with their shiny instruments, and uh, then at some point, uh, to the microphone in the middle of the pitch, out walks the diva who's going to sing the national anthem that day. And it's you know it's Catherine Jenkins or, or someone like that, uh, a crowd pleaser, and out she wanders to the microphone. And uh, the band start up sort of big brass intro, and then she comes in and says, Hello, my name's Catherine. This song is all about me. And I think, oh, that's not what I'm expecting. And that's a little narcissistic, isn't it? Because actually this is the Queen's song. What's that sort of impact? Jesus comes and says, it's me. The Passover is all about me. It was always pointing to me. Here's how you enter into a relationship with God. You trust in my death. And notice that is the focus. Jesus is saying, I want you to remember my death. Luke and Paul would emphasize this sort of commemoration. Do this in remembrance of me, my body broken. But you do it Not to remember my birth, says Jesus. Wonderful though that is in the incarnation. Not to remember my life. Not to remember my miracles. But to remember my death. Because that's the central event that you need. He takes the cup and says, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. His blood would be shed violently, done to what well, to guarantee this covenant, this promise, this contract. Most of us are familiar with the idea of signing covenants uh, in property, or you may start a new job. We may sign restrictive covenants, and if we break them, we know there's all sorts of penalties. But here Jesus is saying, I, this is a covenant, a promise that I make to you. It's ratified by my blood poured out for you, seemingly an echo of Isaiah 53 we had read. Isaiah 53, 12, we had read at the beginning. Life poured out. And the purpose, this forgiveness of sins. Jesus is saying, here in my death, I will take the punishment that you deserve so you receive the blessing, the blessing that I deserve. You can be forgiven But the focus is on his death. Just as little Josh back in the Exodus could sleep soundly when there's blood on the doorposts, Jesus says, look, I want you to be secure as Christians, secure as my disciples, secure that I will take you to heaven because of my blood poured out. Take 
I'm not asking you to bring. Take what I've done for you. But you see, the focus is his death. That's where the emphasis falls. Second thing, briefly, the host. The host is Jesus, not us. By which I was simply saying, uh, it comes from him to us, not the other way around. These verses, verses 26 to 29, there's no dialogue here. Jesus speaks. Jesus acts. He takes the initiative. He gives. They're entirely passive at this point. He says, take, eat, drink. So it's a very simple but crucial truth. This meal, symbolizing, demonstrating a picture of how anyone is forgiven, how anyone is saved, it's not that we lift it to him, but that he gives it to us. Now, I, I went to enormous expense and great imaginative, creative endeavors for you to create this visual aid. It's very impressive. But very, look, is that? Okay. It's not what we offer up to him. It's what he gives to us. Now, that's the way you become a Christian. It's not what you do. You offer up to Christian. Jesus, look, Jesus, look what I've done. Look how I've behaved. No, he says, look what I've done for you. And the Lord's Supper is demonstrating that. What do we bring? We don't bring enough. We don't bring anything. Jesus says, I give. It's from me to you. Take, eat, drink. This is not a modern dinner party. Well, someone says, oh, I'll come for dinner on Saturday night. Oh, what would you like me to bring? Would you like me to bring pudding? Oh, that'd be very kind, but I won't do No, don't need to bring pudding. Uh, but anyway, either way, still, you know, you bring a bottle of wine. Oh, you shouldn't have, but it's quite a nice bottle of wine. I'll take it. You know, there's always some sort of reciprocal thing in a modern dinner party. This meal, Jesus says, it's all me. It's a one-way street. Take. You bring nothing. You bring nothing but your empty hands. Take. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it is not a sacrifice we offer to Jesus. It's a sign, a sacrament that he gives to us. Which is why we don't have an altar at the front of church, because you offer sacrifices on an altar. We don't have an altar, we have a table, because it's a meal. At this meal, Jesus does everything. We do nothing. It's take, not bring. And so Jesus, this meal is meant to just remind us. This is how it works, says Jesus. Have confidence. Take what I've done. Don't obsess about what you bring. It's so important. You'll be familiar with some of the mistakes people make. Um, Historically, traditionally, not all would believe this, but traditional Roman Catholic theology, the Lord's Supper is a sacrifice. It is a, well, the language gets blurred a little bit, I guess, but it's a representation, a sacrifice of Jesus that in official, I mean, not all will believe it, but in official Roman Catholic teaching is offered up. That's the wrong way. It's not meant to be offered up. And we'll say later when we have, share the Lord's Supper together, we're commemorating his one perfect sacrifice once for all. Nothing we're offering up Jesus now. It's completely wrong. It's the, oh, it's gone. Uh, it's the wrong way round. It's not that many here make that mistake. Perhaps more common a mistake would be a sort of pietistic theology. We come and say, Lord, I offer up to you my, whatever it is, my uh, devotion to you. I offer up my love to you. 
I'm such a devoted disciple of yours, and that's why you love me, because I offer this up to you. And Jesus says, no, it isn't. No, you're forgetting the fundamental rule. You know, you're forgetting, no, not that, but that. It's me to you. Don't get confused. And you've got to know that. How wonderful for Peter to know that. You know, this account of him predicting, sorry, Jesus predicts Peter's denial in this next little section. And Peter says, verse 33, I'll never fall away. Even if all others fall away on account of you, I never will. Verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And then by the time you get to the end of the chapter, and verse 74, Peter has disowned Jesus, and he's cursing, and he's swearing. How very wonderful for Peter to hear again from the risen Lord Jesus. Take. Peter, it's not what you bring. You, you, you tried to bring me your best, Peter. You were determined. Your bravado was, I'll bring you heroic discipleship. I'll die for you, Jesus. And you bogged it. But Peter, it's take. It's take from me. It's not bring from me. How wonderful for Peter to know that. I don't know about you, but for myself, I think I've made silly mistakes in my head sometimes. You know, the Lord's Supper is we're commemorating this take of salvation, take of forgiveness, not what we bring. But there have been times where I've come to share the Lord's Supper and I've thought, well, I shouldn't really take it today because, well, I'm a bit ambivalent about Jesus this week. I can't really say I, I love him. I don't, in fact, emotionally, I feel very cold. Maybe I shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. And of course, that's, that's completely muddled thinking. Jesus, like, I don't care how you feel. Take. This is a gift from me to you. Will you t- I'm not interested in what you bring. Take. Take from me. I enjoyed reading a, a little bit of um, John Calvin again this week, reminding myself of his thoughts on such things. I enjoyed his little quote. The Lord's Supper is medicine for the sick. Not a ceremony for the well satisfied. Great. You don't come and take the Lord's Supper. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, this is nice because I'm, I'm a nice Christian and this is a nice thing to do. It's medicine for the sick. Why do you go to a pharmacy? You don't come to a pharmacy normally to bring things. Not unless you're a heroin addict trying to get off with that. You know, the, uh, that's it. But normally, you don't go to a pharmacy and say, oh, it's very nice to see you. Uh, in my pocket, I've got um, a few old pills that I didn't have. Uh, this old bottle of kaolin and morphine I found in the back of my shelf looks a bit grim. Uh, and this cough medicine is all gummed up and glued together. You don't bring to the pharmacy. You go there if you're sick and you say, please, give me some tablets to help me with this. And they say, yeah, take these. It's medicine for the sick. And when we share the Lord's Supper in a moment, we hold out our hands and say, can you, Jesus, I need you to give me forgiveness. I want to be reminded of your sacrifice once for all for the forgiveness of my sins. Wonderful. I don't bring you anything. The focus is Jesus' death. The host, well, that's him, not us. It's him to us, not us to him. Uh, and the future, finally, the future is guaranteed. And so Jesus would say, verse 20 died. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it at you with you in my Father's kingdom. 
the next time we have this drink is in glory, says Jesus. I'm not going to have it till then because I'm waiting for you. And I can't drink with you now, says Jesus, because I'll, well, I guess theologically he's saying, because I'll be in heaven guaranteeing your salvation. I'm waiting for you there, so I can't drink with you here. But when on that resurrection morning you join me, well, wonderful, we'll eat together. I'm waiting for you then. But my death for the forgiveness of your sins guarantees the future. Matthew records this so that we trust Jesus and not ourselves. Jesus is saying, don't look to yourself. Don't bring your efforts. Don't say, am I good enough? Am I excited enough about being a Christian? Do I love you enough? Have I done enough? Don't don't bring, take, eat, drink. Now, before we finish, you could, of course, ask the question, um, We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper, and Jesus instructs us to remember it. What does it bring that just the Word of God does not? I mean, many times Jesus will preach the forgiveness of sins, but he also says, have this meal to know the forgiveness of sins. I mean, why? We don't need it, do we? I guess it's never spelt out explicitly in the Scriptures, But I guess the answer is it's physical. The two sacraments that Jesus gives of baptism and the Lord's Supper are physical. They're often referred to as visible words. Truths that the the rest of the New Testament or the rest of the Scriptures scream out at us. But they're made visible. They're physical, tangible. Uh, whenever we do the marriage course uh, here at church, uh, one part of one of the evenings, we talk about love languages, uh, which is, you know, some people don't really get too excited about. Some people think it's very wonderful and it can be very helpful. But it's a simple idea that some people feel loved by generous gifts. Some people feel loved by uh, kind actions. Some people feel loved by loving words. Some people feel loved by uh, physical touch. How, you, how that gets expressed it varies, is different. And you know, you show these little interviews on the screen, and they're odd. Some of them, you know, one woman says, oh, "I feel really loved when I get thoughtful presents." And the, the most wonderful present I ever received was a tube of toothpaste from my husband one Christmas. And you think, okay, that's an unusual way to make yourself feel loved. Most of us getting a tube of toothpaste would feel a little insulted. But you, you know, that's fine. You feel that way. But here, I guess here some people respond to hearing Jesus say, I love you. But here Jesus says, look, eat and drink to know that I love you. Some You know, it's wonderful to hear words of forgiveness, but here Jesus physically gives us visible words of forgiveness. Some people love to be told, I love you. Others prefer an embrace. There's something of that here. Jesus says, as you eat and as you drink, know that my body is broken for you. Know that my blood has washed away your sins. Know those things. So why this visible word because Jesus really wants us to get that we're forgiven if we're trusting in his death upon the cross for us and so we'll say eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you if you're a Christian
and feed on him in your hearts by faith. So as we eat this bread and drink this wine, Jesus strengthens us, nourishes us in our trust in him. But it is an expression of faith. So you take, eat, drink. You have to do that with faith. That is no good taking these and eating these things unless you have trusted him, of course. That you, actually for your life, for your salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, you've said, Jesus, I, I can't do it. I can never be forgiven on my own merits. I just trust that you've died for me. Jesus says, take, eat, drink, receive. It's not what you bring you need to take. And there's extraordinary power to change in that. Uh, as we finish, it was a, a few years ago, I think about five, six years ago, a chap here at church, we'll call him Brian, but it's not his name, but a chap here at church, about five, six years ago in the evening service, we uh, shared the Lord's Supper. And um, uh, afterwards he came and said, I need to speak to you. Uh, okay, super. Um, look, for the last six months, I've been having an extramarital affair uh, with someone from work. Okay. Uh, so we had a you know, couple of hours then chatting about that, uh, about why and what happened and what he was going to do and what repentance looked like and uh, what he, how things are going to work out going forward. And uh, he went home and spoke to his wife that evening and they had a very hard few months. Uh, but in God's kindness, their marriage recovered and it's terrific. In, you know, their marriage is great now. But uh, what was really striking to me as part of that conversation, why did you, why did you tell me tonight, Brian? He said, well, I came to receive the Lord's Supper tonight. And I had such a conflicting emotional moment of horror at what I'd been doing and wonder that, well, what Jesus had done for me and even my actions of the last six months, I, I, I could still be forgiven even for them. And so I, 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 do I take it or I not take it? I, but I, t- I took the Lord's Supper. I-, I knew at that moment I was going to have to change. Everything was changing. I told you, I'm going to change. And I just was absolutely overwhelmed. Jesus, I bring nothing. I bring nothing but my selfish, sinful, adultery has ruined my family for the time being. I bring you nothing but my mess. You give me forgiveness. That's amazing. I bring you nothing, but I offer you Everything. <laughs> And I must follow you as my Lord now. He said, I was just convicted so strongly. He's offering of himself so kind. What can I do? I've got to follow him properly now. Take, says Jesus. Eat, drink. It's not what you bring. Take from me. It's very good. Freedom from anxiety. Enormous confidence. Take. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you for the truths here as we look at this passage. Jesus so in control of the situation, knowing full well what was about to happen to him. And thank you that he gave us this physical reminder that in his death he gives. He says to us, take the forgiveness of sins which I offer. Trust 
in my blood poured out for you. And Father, thank you that these are not, forgiveness is not something we earn. It isn't because of what we bring to you. It is a free gift. We'll be very clear in our minds on that. And therefore, have confidence in our status as Christians if we've trusted in Jesus. Be free from anxiety about our performance if we've trusted in him. Because he's the one who says, take from me. Amen.